You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Don Brody, the host of the Hilf podcast. And Katie and Nathan from Queens wanted me to tell you they use strong language. So if that's not your thing, this won't be the show for you. But if that is your thing, girl, come check me out. I'm a comedian with a history degree, and each episode of Hilf features a new guest and a different history subject. From Frankenstein to Cleopatra, from Titanic to the Challenger disaster, I dig deep in the annals and stimulate. (laughs) Hilf, because history is a party and everyone is coming. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about powerful women in history. Hello, Nathan. Hey, Katie. How have you been this week? I've been fabulous. Nathan, before we get started, are you drinking anything fun today? No, no, nothing fun. Just the normals. Just my usual beer. It's fine. This is fine. I'm still in my dry January shit. Today is day 21. And yeah, I I just got a little, I got a little half-calf coffee. Half-caffeinated. Half-caff. Half-caff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you want to jump back into the life of Maria Teresa? Maria Teresa. Remind me of the Habsburg story. Ooh! Growing up in big old castles. Yeah. Living the life just like a movie star. Okay, Rob Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> now that's going to be stuck in your head. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, before, I was just telling Nathan before we pressed play, I had, how do you solve a problem? Like, Maria stuck in my head. So I got options now. I got options. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and kick it off. We are not really going to, we have so much shit to cram in. And there's things that we're going to have to leave out in her life, just in interest of keeping like a consistent story flowing. So we're not going to really have time to recap. So go back and listen to the first episode. <sighs> but when we last left Maria Teresa, we were closing out the War of Austrian Succession. Which was just, as famous historians have said, a bit of a clusterfuck. I I believe I've seen that in thesis papers. Um, yes, yes, I have too. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Doctor von Flustenberg, <laughs> yeah. famous historian, Doctor von Flustenberg. Yeah. Uh, so while the succession is going on, like the su- succession crisis, Maria's husband Francis Stephen was elected Holy Roman Emperor because she couldn't be elected Empress on her own independently. Because why, Nathan? Uh, History's a bag of dicks. I was looking for her because uterus, but that is also a solid (laughs) answer. Because history is a bag of dicks. But Francis Stephen is the Emperor, but Maria is really running the show. Yeah, and she's not really running the show behind the scenes or anything. She's making sure that she lets everybody know that she is in charge from day one at her husband's coronation. Right. So let's pick up from the coronation because I think this is... Because you remember when we first met Maria, she was a bit meek. She mm-hmm. did wasn't trained. She was ready to do what her husband and her dad told her to do. At the coronation, this Austrian War of Succession changed her as a person. Because Mm -hmm. at the coronation, when Francis Stephen was crowned in 1745, everybody kneels to the new emperor. 
And usually the consort will be up there with her husband, and she's supposed to kneel too. Guess who the one person to not kneel was? Maria Teresa. <laughs> she reminds me of a Habsburg story. Yes. <laughs> okay, is that like... I feel like that takes some big clit energy here to be like... Oh, yeah. That is a historical thing that has always happened is the consort kneels and she's like, no, I'm good. Because she's telling everybody, I'm not really the consort. He's only getting this because he's my (laughs) husband. I'm going to be the one calling the shots. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Also, she was like hella pregnant again. So maybe... It was just too hard to kneel. Uh, Maybe that was Um, her excuse. Yeah, that was her excuse. (laughs) So uh, this was her eighth pregnancy of, count it folks, 16. She's halfway there. And yeah, halfway. Oh, she's halfway there. (laughs) Oh, her uterus is living on her prayer. (laughs) Oh, God. This baby she's carrying while not kneeling would be her sixth child to survive. So... Two of them had been previously lost, two daughters. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if we stop throughout this story to talk about every pregnancy and birth, that's <laughs> all this episode would be. So, it would be us going, and she's pregnant. And she's pregnant again. again. And then it's another girl again. named Maria, and another girl named Maria, again. and another girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> she had 16 children in 19 years. She's got 10 more years of baby popping at the time since the time of the coronation. So baby popping, baby popping. So just go ahead and assume for the next 10 years she is pregnant. <laughs> but all in all. After the dust settled from the war of succession, Maria was pretty popular. Her super-duper gay mortal enemy, Frederick II of Prussia, a.k.a. Frederick the Great, said of Maria, The Habsburg dynasty finally has a man on a throne, (coughs) and it's a woman. (laughs) I mean, kind of a backhanded compliment. I don't think she liked it because she just hated everything he did and said, but... Yeah, okay. yeah, but still, it's kind of a compliment. Yeah, and other envoys from all over Europe wrote about how friendly and warm she was. I think this was smart. Well, I think she was always, like, a very social person. and mm-hmm. But I think she knew that if I act all business all the time to these men that I want to work with me, they're going to be like, she's a cold bitch and say really misogynistic things behind her back. So I think acting like the bubbly hostess every time they had dignitaries from overseas come, it was a game she played to get them to Uh, treat her favorably. Do you know what I mean? No, that totally makes sense. She leaned into that motherly role. Hey, I'm the cool mom. Stay at our house. And also, you nailed it on the head. Because she wasn't particularly warm with any of her children which we'll get to Mm -hmm. a little bit later. But when people would come to visit, she would bring out all her kids and have them act like, oh, yeah, we all have dinner tonight together every night. And, oh, I'm so involved. Yeah, she was very calculated because she knew if she appeared to be a distant mother like she was with most of her children, it would be another, where it would never be with a man. People aren't even going to ask a king what his relationship is like. Yeah, that they assume he doesn't know anything. <laughs> but since she's a mother, if she appeared distant like that, it would be a strike against her and something for people to use against her. So it's a weird balancing act that she has to do. Interesting. Animals. Very yeah. interesting. So she's making friends with her warm personality, which, um, okay. Smart. Yeah. And it is time to get shit done as Holy Roman Empress. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, it doesn't seem like Hubby Francis really cared that Maria was the one really running shit because he had hobbies. He liked the arts. He was interested in funding science. And he was actually pretty involved father, which is nice. Yeah. So Maria just always made sure that he was at the important meetings for appearances. And then she gave him free range to basically just do whatever he really cared about. Yeah. And he funded a lot of artists and scientific things question mark so they had a really good business relationship for sure yeah, they did 
So Maria is finally in a place of power, and she looks around Austria. They ain't got no money. No money. There is no central government, so there's all these principalities trying to run their own shit independently of each other. Because, you know, the Roman Empire is a bunch of different countries. Um, They're all broke. They're all unorganized. They're not talking to each other. And she was handed a turd sandwich, like an absolute just dumpster fire. And was like, here's a dumpster fire. Put it out. But you have no water. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yay. This sounds exciting. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. The empire was just super unorganized. And Maria decided that there needed to be a whole overhaul of things that needed Mm -hmm. to happen. There needed to be a centralized government a uniformed army. But right now, it's just Clusterfuck 2000. It feels like to me, like, she called the IT department of the Holy Roman Empire and they were like, you just need to turn it off and turn it back on again. <laughs> that, that's literally <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Have you tried turning it off and turn it back on again? Yeah. So the way it stood right now, and once again, this is giving me such Isabella Castile vibes, which a eagle eye commenter on our Instagram pointed out she is a descendant of Isabella of Castile through Juana. Ah. Yeah, but this this is exactly what Isabella did. She looks around at the government, the guys running the military, and everybody at the top is a Nepo baby. Everybody's yep. like somebody from the nobility that got the job because their dad had the job. And she's like, well, that's clearly not working because these people aren't trying (laughs) they just because they know they have job security um what if we gave (laughs) wild thought what if we gave these jobs to people that actually went to school for the job or you know actually worked to get the job like despite their rank and that was that was revolutionary. What? No, whoa. <laughs> Think about that. You know, and, w- and when they realized they were short on cash, Maria came up with an idea that was controversial for the time. She was going to tax the nobility. <gasps> How? Katie. Katie almost died there. <gasps> oh tax the nobility? You mean oh. the people with the money? <laughs> this makes no sense clutch my pearls <laughs> so let me get this straight rich people are gonna have to t- pay taxes for the first time in their life yes ma'am and that wasn't her only reform that made her less than popular with the nobility she started replacing all these nepo babies with qualified people who Worked in that field from the middle class. And the middle class wasn't a term, was, like, I don't even think the phrase middle class existed then, because the concept of it, until really she started putting these things in place, the concept of the middle class wasn't even a thing. But now this was really benefiting people that could work hard and climb the ladder. So that's cool. That is so cool. Yeah. And you know what else is cool is chugga 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 choo choo. We're pulling up to the Reformation Station. Choo choo. All aboard. Hold on to your drinks, ladies and gentlemen, because things are about to change big time. Oh, yeah. Maria Teresa is really famous for her radical reforms, and they didn't stop with the military and the government. So... Let's discuss her education reform, shall we? I love a good reformation. Absolutely. So Maria realized that if she was going to be hiring peasants to work in the government and to lead the military, she needs to level the playing field with the education. Because like it just, they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything if they couldn't go to the same schools. So she opened the doors to prestigious universities to the middle class where it had previously only been for the nobility. Wow. Yeah. She also implemented a mandatory school system for everyone that was required until age 12. And this was for boys and 
girls. Yes. And now if we think about like age 12, that seems too young to be graduating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you got like uh, a fun... young Sheldon thing going on. <laughs> like... Yeah. Which is not <laughs> happening back then. But fun fact. Yeah. Well into the 19th century, people living in Habsburg controlled lands. All in all, they had a higher literacy rate than just about any other empire in Europe. So, yay. Yay. Yeah. And I love that it was for boys and girls. Now babies can have jobs. Yeah. Get them into the fields. Now that they're 12, come on. I love it. Improving. So she's improving the military. She's stocking up the treasury. She's educating the masses. Anything else, Nathan? Uh, you betcha. She was a supporter of inoculations. She actually got the smallpox inoculation and got two of her kids inoculated in an effort to like show the population, hey, this is a good thing. Yeah, this is it. We aren't injecting you with poison. Yeah, the smallpox inoculation was something really, really dear to her heart. Because I mean, everybody at the time had either lost someone to smallpox or new people that survived but then were like never the same after smallpox I actually went down um petite rabbit hole smallpox <laughs> has in one way or another they think been in existence since ancient egyptian time like three thousand years ago oh wow yeah yeah i mean it makes sense and in the 18th century huh. there was like a huge pandemic basically but so yeah, everybody, it was, it's probably near and dear to everybody's heart, but not everybody was super trusting of inoculations. So when your leader gets it herself, it's a bit like, oh, huh. yeah, this, this could be something. Yes. And what else do we have for reformations? Let's talk about women's health. Oh, oh shall we? love it. Let's not talk about it in today's standards. Let's talk about it. In, oh, in, in the no, past no, I don't want to. So Maria Teresa founded the first maternity hospital, and you actually had to have gone to nursing school to get a job there. Not just be some rando off the street claiming to be a midwife. <laughs> so this obviously helps with the horrible death rate during childbirth. I love that. So let's... Hey, Nathan. Surf's up. What? Let's talk about surf's. So, surf's, yeah. Surf's up, up man. <laughs> so yeah, serfdom was still alive and well in a lot of the Holy Roman Empire. And so she passed laws, shouldn't end serfdom, but she passed laws being like, lords can't beat their serfs, Lord, lords can't kill their serfs, lords can't starve their serfs, stuff like that. So the bar is on the floor, but okay. <laughs> it's, something, <laughs> it's something that other people weren't doing, but that was hu a huge deal for people living in those conditions in like the rural areas of the empire. Mm -hmm. So her motives, however, aren't necessarily rooted in bettering the life of serfs, but yeah. more about making that ka-ching, ka-ching. Money. Um, yeah. The thought is, is if the serfs don't hate their lives, they'll be happier and healthier. Yeah. Thereby working harder, working better, having healthier babies who then go on to be serfs themselves. Yes. Uh, so, hey, hey, though, if you're a serf, you're going to be taking a win where you can, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean... The they probably aren't thinking is she doing this because she really cares about us or is she doing they're just like hey it's illegal for him to beat the shit out of me cool you know? <laughs> it's true it's uh, true <laughs> what we're getting at is that Maria Teresa was having those babies on babies on babies and she's also making passing reform on reform on reform on reform this is a huge huge part of her legacy is these reforms which, when we get to know her a little bit better, might actually be a little bit surprising with her personality. Mm, so I think that sounds like it's a great place to take a break, and we'll come back and explain what we mean by that. Yes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. And we are back. Hi, Nathan. I missed you. I know it was so long. <laughs> Let's learn more about Maria to better understand what we meant earlier when we were saying that these reforms, which seem to us very like liberal minded, may have been like going against her personality. Yeah. So there was a movement at the time of Maria's life known as the Enlightenment movement. This movement centered on education being key and a belief that education should be more accessible. Imagine that. Yeah. Liberty and that one person shouldn't totally rule over another person. Essentially just being like, hey, just because you're nobility doesn't mean that you have complete autonomy over me. Yeah. And that birth shouldn't dictate how far you make it in life, essentially. And anyone with a good education can be successful. Yeah, um, like modern day America. But like, if you look at founding fathers, a lot of them were part of the Enlightenment movement. And that's why our Constitution in its original state had stuff about there's no king. And there's no like separation of church and state and life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness is a very Enlightenment core belief. Um, Is that in our Constitution? Or is that just in Hamilton? (laughs) Yes, Kate. In the Constitution. Okay. Okay. <laughs> U.S. history actually isn't my strong suit. <laughs> is that in the Constitution or is it just in Hamilton? Oh my God, yes. Okay. So, um, so what we just learned about like, the Enlightenment, all the high points you were hitting, Nathan, that sounds like Maria, right? From the yeah, it does. That's kind of what she's passing, right? Yeah, but hard no. She is not into the Enlightenment one little bitty bit, which is confusing because she's so famous for reforming education, reforming serfdom and feudal shit, and reforming healthcare. But she is like Enlightenment. Mm. I don't know her. Yeah, but it's kind of like her, the same logic that she had with the serfs, she used in these reforms, which was, hey, if the middle class is educated, they're likely to get good jobs. If they get good jobs, they raise bigger families, more taxes, more soldiers, more army. So she's doing it in the end to benefit herself. Same with the maternity hospitals, same with the inoculations. If people are healthier, they can work in the fields longer and have bigger families. If people aren't dying giving birth, if the babies aren't dying being born, bigger families, more workers for the fields, etc. Yeah, and we talked about this in our Sichi episode. Like, does, does the motive matter if the outcome ends up better for the people? Yeah. Yeah, we had that we we had that debate. Not even a debate because I think we both landed on. There's this line in Game of Thrones where Tyrion's like the average is telling Daenerys like the average person doesn't give a fuck who sits on the Iron Throne so long as their taxes aren't too high and they can feed their family and stuff like that. 
So that's kind of the mind I'm as. If the end result was the same, she's the only one that has to live with what's on her conscious about why she did it. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can agree with that because, I mean, even though it's not the progress we want and for the reason we want, it is still a step in progress. Like, so can't really be mad at it you can you yeah can be like she's doing it for the wrong reasons but she did the right thing exactly so you can point that out but did it work for everybody yes exactly also um i feel like we should make bingo cards and anytime one of us references game of thrones that's a that's a thing yeah, on the bingo card <laughs> thing on the bingo card anytime one of us breaks out in song anytime one of us mentions hamilton <laughs> Hamilton that often <laughs> just be musicals in general because yeah that would be just about every episode but anyway let us know what you guys think doesn't matter why she made the changes so long as the changes were made it's um it's a discussion we could have for hours so let's move on another another highlight of the enlightenment movement was a separation of church and state you kind of mentioned that earlier with the founding fathers whenever you didn't know if the u.s constitution said life liberty and the pursuit of happiness in it or if it was just in the musical hamilton any we get your point uh, i get your point i'm a big old dummy unless it comes to musical theater yeah i'm a big old smart. uh (laughs) <laughs> and Maria Teresa was super duper not fucking into separation of church and state. She does not want Jesus out of the government. That's like why she's in it. <laughs> um, it which she's the Holy Roman Emperor. Holy, holy, holy. Yes. <laughs> which made everything makes everything for anybody under her rule shitty if they're if they aren't catholic <laughs> yes oh my gosh she's so the only not catholic religion in the empire that she like didn't view as just like an abomination was greek orthodox because they're both kind of like the same they're both old as shit and they have like very very similar views very so those, similar vibes yeah, yeah um they both love a good saint day. Okay. Unfortunately, we've cut our time of loving girl boss Maria mm. is in the past. Oh. Unfortunately, uh, she, here on out, she's not always a very easy person to research. But let's let's just kind of talk about the things that we loved about her before we yeah. get to this next <laughs> section about her religious religious views <laughs> yeah she married for love, love in it. a time that that wasn't a thing that a royal princess got to do yeah she's outspoken she's hard-headed she was given a, a clusterfuck of an empire to run and she gutted the system and rebuilt it to meet modern day standards we love to see it nathan but mm-hmm. Now we are entering the less cool side of Maria Theresa. How do we solve a problem like Maria Theresa's approach to religious tolerance or lack thereof? Oh, right after Francis was elected emperor, Maria was like, hey, I have an idea. Let's kick all the Jewish people out of Prague. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) so if we rewind back to 1744 the war of austrian succession was going on and maria Theresa's least favorite dude in the world frederick the great of prussia took Mm -hmm. prague after the war ended she got prague back but she said the jews helped frederick the great yeah which um pretty much everybody in government was like how does it work how how did they uh, how what <laughs> they didn't do well, anything to you maria calm down that it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to anybody and i don't know if maria Theresa really believed that or if she was just using it as an excuse um but yeah she was just like um i don't give a fuck the vibes are off and i need all the jewish people to get the fuck out of out of Prague. Like, they can't stay here. You can't sit with us Jewish people in Prague. Get the fuck out. 
<laughs> so she passed this law in December and said everyone had to be out in six weeks. So December in the Northern Hemisphere is winter, <laughs> the middle yes. of it. So that would have been impossible. She would have had hundreds of like people dying. And six weeks people... from December puts you in like end of January, early February. Yeah, which is the- there would have been so many dead people because of this, and uh, so the deadline was pushed back. Thankfully, so by June of seventeen forty-five, over one hundred thousand Jewish people had to leave Prague and the surrounding areas, which is one hell of a bummer. I know, and also like that six weeks deadline. I keep thinking about this anytime I talk about anytime we talk about people having to relocate in history. You didn't have the internet. How do you move? I have never moved into, whether it was like an apartment, a house, a new city, without like looking at Google Maps and see, looking at Zillow. <laughs> like, how did you move in six weeks back then? I just, oh, history, it sucks to be there. I'm so happy to live in a time of internet, central heating, and vaccines indoor plumbing indoor, indoor plumbing, plumbing. <laughs> google <laughs> yeah, is, and this is the part of the show where katie just screams about things she likes microwave <laughs> dinners <laughs> anyway. oh my God. plan b okay anyway. i can't <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is all bringing some levity onto like a real <laughs> shitty, shitty thing that she did. And she actually wanted, because Prague is in the Czech Republic, which I think back then was just all considered Bohemia. She wanted to put this in for like all of Bohemia, but that would have been that, that would have been such a mass exodus that it, she wanted to do a lot worse than she did. Is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. So we're not saying that this was a chill time to be a Jewish person anywhere in Europe, obviously. <laughs> but a lot of leaders throughout Europe wrote to Maria at this time being like, girl, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah, like there's kings, counselors, important dudes from like Denmark, the Netherlands, Venice, Great Britain. They're all being like, hey, baby girl, this is a really bad look don't do this yeah great britain which we touched on briefly last time during the war of succession that was her greatest ally and so great britain was like the one being like hey if you're doing this uh exodus of the jews you do you but i think we're gonna go side with prussia they look like they need some new allies and so that is kind of what made maria Theresa retract the ex the um expulsion uh. they so they could all move back by 1748 but by that point like people have died because now they're living as refugees in close quarters everybody's getting smallpox it, it wasn't it, it sucked leaving it sucked trying to come back and nathan guess what when they moved back to prague they now had to do what they had to pay something called a toleration tax Okay, this this sounds problematic on its own. It's exactly what it sounds like. You're paying a tax to be tolerated. Oh my god, can you imagine? I mean, a lot of people did end up coming back to Prague because, like you said, they were living in the ghettos next to people getting smallpox, dying. So they might as... They are like, let's go back home. So they come back two years later, but are their homes still there? Is their extended family still alive? Are they going to have, like, their new neighbors going to be super racist? You know, like... Or just play really loud music all night long. (laughs) Um, Then on top of that, they have to pay a toleration tax? Excuse me? What the fuck? It's just so blatantly offensive. And I know sometimes we get... People that don't like our show are always not going to like our show. And they're going to be like, oh, you're not looking at it from a contemporary standpoint. A lot of her contemporaries were telling her that this was shitty. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just us. A lot of people in the 18th century agreed with us. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate it here. I hate it here. <laughs> she was also pretty shitty to Protestants as well, which, hey, religious tolerance is a zero score for Maria yeah. Teresa. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, in a time when governments were relying less and less on torture, everyone's like, in Europe is like, hey, that's inhumane. Let's not torture anyone anymore. Maria's like, what? what? Oh my god, can't can't hear you over this screaming Protestant in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> He's just having it. Once he gets his fingernails ripped off, I'll come back to you. I'll hear you then. What'd you say? No torture? Oh. Mm. <laughs> anyway, we could fill a whole episode just on the things that she did towards religious intolerance. We're going to move on, but I thought it was important we gotta move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's get back to her family life, shall we? Yeah. Despite all of his cheating, people did say that the whole Maria and Francis, they did have a happy marriage. They were loving and affectionate with each other in public. And they obviously got along just fine in the bedroom because, oh, 16 pregnancies in 19 years, they're getting busy. Folks. Something, something is vibing in the bedroom. For sure. However, in 1765, at the age of 56, Francis Stephen passed away quite suddenly. The court was on the move to celebrate the wedding of one of their kids. And Francis Stephen went to an opera. And then when he was on his carriage, heading back home, wherever they were, he had a seizure and died the next day. As far as I could tell, he had no prior history of seizures. He wasn't suffering any ill health. It was just one of those things. And it was completely by surprise. She was devastated. Like the rest of her life, she was dressed in black. She had her rooms in the palace painted all black. She's all red door and she wants to paint it black. Yes. (laughs) She lived another 15 years, but this really was sort of the beginning of the end for her. To a certain degree after this, she really quit taking care of herself and didn't really put herself first anymore. Yeah, like just things that she used to enjoy that kept her healthy. She didn't anymore. She, she'd always been active and she liked sports and she liked, you know, after the whole thing in Hungary, she liked horseback riding and she liked playing games and being social. And she just quit enjoying all of that. And I don't think I'm sounding absolutely crazy. I, I know for me, when I'm feeling mentally depressed, sometimes just going for a bike ride. Just doing something that makes your body move helps so much. And she just quit doing all of that. And she just sunk into a depression, which sucks. Do you have an exercise that when you're feeling blue helps you out a lot? I actually go to the gym a lot. Yeah. So like for me, it's, it's definitely moving my body, lifting weights, going for walks outside, being very active. And that's, that's the key to it is but in in her defense, like when you're depressed like that, you just keep going down this dark hole and you you don't have anybody to help pull you out and be like, hey, baby, you need to go for a walk. Yeah. Baby, you need to go do these things. And yeah. so that really kind of hindered her because she stopped going out. She didn't hang out with people, didn't go to dinners or balls anymore. So she's not getting that human connection either. So it's kind of like she had measured all of her personal happiness in her marriage and everything else about her life was measured in how successful her empire was you need something outside of your job <laughs> yeah you do yeah you do and so now her marriage is gone it it just seems like oh my god what's going on everything is everything's never going to be the same yeah and so i think she just went down that downward yeah. spiral and never really she never got fully out of it. recovered yeah Mm-mm. in one of her diaries um she worked out how long they had been married to the hour she like does math she's like we were married 29 years and blah 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 blah, blah. and so she works it down to the hour we were married two hundred and fifty-eight thousand seven hundred and forty-four hours 
God, that tells you how much she's hurting. How she's just, and also how much time she has to just sit there and like math it out back when they didn't have calculators, you know. <laughs> Kiki's like, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> With a calculator, I could do it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, without one, I would be struggling. Yeah. <laughs> um, her son, Leopold, wrote of her a few years later saying that after this, he started to see gradual shifts in her personality. Like she started forgetting things regularly. She started to be suspicious of her advisors. She forgot all of her passwords on social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, but almost like Francis had helped her decide who she could trust and who she couldn't. Now, without him, she's completely lost. I don't know if that's totally true, but that's the vibe I'm getting. Because I didn't read anything mm-hmm. that said that she like consulted him about these kind of things. But they're a married couple. Surely, surely he did. Surely know? they had to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. They were boning every other day. Jeez, <laughs> they had to have he, some pillow how talk. How did he have time for all these mistresses? Like, <laughs> I know. Damn. Okay, so this is all super sad. But what does this mean for her as head of state? Because remember, her husband was Holy Roman Emperor in mm-hmm. paper to keep her role in power. She actually for a year or so, was just the only one. And then the electors were like, okay, we feel super bad for you and all, but we really need someone with a penis to be on the ticket. Like, you have to, we have to do something. So she puts her eldest son, Joseph, up for election to be Holy Roman Emperor, and he was elected as her co... And Joseph was elected emperor and co-ruler, but Maria expected that the two of them would carry on like she did with her husband. But uh, Joseph had other plans yeah. for that. Uh, he wanted to be emperor in more than just name. And mother and son just started butting heads so yeah. bad. Do you remember in part one when she goes to the Hungarian diet and holds the baby over her head and is like... Like Lion King. Yes. The Lion King moment. This is Simba. Joseph. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And Simba's is... like, oh no, mama, oh, mama, no, mama. <laughs> Yes. He had very different ideas from his mom. He was, and it like, he was an enlightener, enlightener? Oh God. An enlightened thinker. He was an enlightener. He was a highlighter. He was into ideas about separation of church and state. He was into the idea of, like, constitutional monarchy. He was a reformer, but for different reasons than Maria Theresa. They did not have a great co-working experience all the time. (laughs) But when it came down to it, when the two were in a room together... The court continued to listen only to Maria. Uh, Diplomatic letters continued to be only addressed to Maria. And Joseph had no other option but just to listen to what his mom is saying. Yeah, I mean, the dudes told her, they were like, we need someone on the ticket with you that's a penis. But they didn't want anything to change. I mean, yeah, everybody, everything was going well. Why mix it up? She was just limiting her son's power which sucks because he's he is whether she likes it or not he is going to be emperor on his own one day and she's not setting him up for success by giving him stuff to do to learn Mm -hmm. and once joseph does eventually become full emperor he's an absolute shit show and he ends up abdicating that sounds like a perfect place to take a break a shit show a shit show (laughs) yeah no joseph was joseph the second and the very good no bad very bad reign of being empire but yes that's neither here nor there let's top off our drinks and we'll be right back hello everyone stakuyi here and i'm gabby and we are the hosts of history of everything a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is well i mean it's about everything do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. 
I'm Helena Bonham-Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, Nathan, during the break, I missed you so much. I know. It feels like forever when we're apart. It, yes, it really does. <laughs> Even though it was literally a minute. But we are back. And now we've talked about the things that Maria was famous for, like being Austria's first pa- first female ruler, her reforms, her hatred of minorities. Ooh. But another thing, I know, well, another thing she's famous for is being Europe's mother-in-law. Because we're all <laughs> famous. Yeah, it's so true. She was a mother-in-law to every fucking country. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she has all these children and she wants a lasting legacy. So let's get them all married because their names are Maria. So get them <laughs> married. Um, for <laughs> so, for instance, uh, she wanted to make an alliance with France. Austria and France had been on again, off again, boyfriends and girlfriends for a while now. And so she thought that was the best way to solidify peace, which makes sense. It was done before, but, you know, it's been done before, right? (laughs) Yeah, she really wanted to be remembered for a ruler that was a peacemaker, which uh, Mm. is not the first thing that comes to mind when I think of her, because we are skipping over a couple of wars that she was part of. But she's just thinking, okay, if I can make this peace with France, it's gonna, that's gonna be my legacy. So she's marrying her kids off to France. Is she taking anybody's feelings into consideration when making these marriage alliances? No. (laughs) No. Um, Some of these marriage alliances uh, ended very, very tragically. Hey, Nathan, what's her youngest daughter's name? Uh, Marie Antoinette. Maybe, Maybe you've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Famously no, no. not not great end because of this it's, alliance. It's so bizarre. I, I, I can't help but gloss over it, but she, she had a happy marriage. Wouldn't she want her children to also have a happy marriage like no <laughs> katie's no. like no no no, like, no that's a good segue she had one daughter named maria christina and maria mm-hmm. christina mm-hmm. was her favorite daughter and maria christina got to marry for love <sighs> shade yep <laughs> she was the sibling yep. that they all hated <laughs> yep yep now, Maria could be really ruthless to her kids, and once her daughters were married off, she wrote to them basically micromanaging every single thing that they did from Austria. She wrote to one of her daughters telling her, the less you speak, the better. Oh. Oh. Like- oh. That's, that's basically being like, hey, you're a dumbass, so keep your mouth shut. Yes. Yeah. The less you speak, the better. Jesus Christ. We talked about it in the Marie Antoinette episode. Like, remember how judgmental she was with Marie, like writing every day, basically being, why aren't you pregnant yet? Why aren't you pregnant yet? When it wasn't Marie's fault, like Marie Mm -hmm. Antoinette, her husband wasn't fucking her. What could she do? You know? (laughs) And uh, that's a lot of pressure for a young woman. So Marie Antoinette would go around French court calling her mother a dreadful dreadful old cow (laughs) so yeah maria christina she was mama's favorite child she was the sibling that everybody hated because she got to live in that love marriage and choose whatever she wanted to because maria Teresa just loved her and let her kind of do whatever she wanted maria Teresa and her daughter christina uh shared a birthday so christina Maria Christina, which we're just going to call Christina for uh, sanity's sake. Um, (laughs) She was born on her mom's 25th birthday. And so Mm. Maria Teresa was like, oh, 
this is like a sign from God. And so it was always her favorite child, which isn't it wild back then? Like, I know my mother has a favorite child and I know it's not me, but that's not because my mom goes around saying it. Back then you could just be like, oh, yep, that's my favorite. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry, but you got to go marry an old man in Spain now. Bye. Like, what? All the sisters uh, were educated, like, you're going to be a consort one day. And so had this very um, tailored education. Maria Cristina got the same kind of education, but she also was like, I like painting. And so her mom was like, love that for you, baby. I'm, you're going to, I'm going to hire some painting tutors. Whereas none of the other kids got to really choose anything Ooh, about their education. Gosh, I can just feel the sibling rivalry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, and Maria Christina may have also had a lesbian relationship with one of her sister-in-laws, which we just don't have time for. Um, so <laughs> if her mom just, we don't know if her mom just like turned a blind eye to all of this or if she was knew. just like, they're very close friends. Yeah. <laughs> very close. They're best friends. Yes. Bosom buddies. Bosom um, buddies. <laughs> and then when all of her other sisters were begging not to be forced into marriages with these horrible men, old men, Christina just gets to marry this dude that she loved. And he wasn't rich at all. He wasn't even rich. And so mom gave Maria Christina's husband a job in the Navy or something. She was like, oh, he doesn't have any money. That's okay. I'll just give him a good job. Like, the, <laughs> to put it mildly, Maria Christina was not popular with her siblings. Shocking. Shocking. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Yes. <laughs> so let's pivot a little bit pivot. and come back to something that was fucking everything up at this time in history. And it's called smallpox. Not big pox, but smallpox. They're tiny. Um, Smallpox don't care if you're a king or a peasant. Uh -uh. They they take you out, left, right, center, forward, up, down, diagonally everywhere. Yes, diagonally, absolutely. Like it, it's not. It wasn't considered, you know, like a poor person's disease. Anybody could get smallpox. It did not discriminate. And in her life up to this point, I'm sure the number of people that she's actually lost in her life. We, we just couldn't know because it was just so common back then. But she has lost two daughters to smallpox. And in 17, uh, when is she, sorry, in her life, she, at this point, she had lost two kids to smallpox, a uh, boy and a girl. And they were both like, I know we're so used to hearing people losing kids when they're like two or three. These kids were like 12 and 15, which, yeah, I know that like she probably already had like marriage alliances lined up for them. Probably, yeah. And then she had a daughter-in-law that she was really affectionate with die from smallpox. And then in 1767, there was an epidemic in Austria where it was just like spreading like wildfire. Yeah, I know. I feel like this is one of those things that pre-pandemic, we probably didn't have as much of a, a, a way to Puts it into perspective to this a sort of thing. Now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is not good. Um, Joseph's wife was sick with smallpox. In fact, this would be his second wife to die of smallpox. Oh, gosh, you must Joseph have cursed. Was, Joseph was really shitty to this second wife. Complete side note. His first wife that died of smallpox, the one that maybe had a gay relationship with Maria Christina, um, he was in love with, like, just over the moon in love with. And then she dies. She dies. And he's forced to marry again, get married again. And he is just a dick to his second wife. Uh, and when she was on her deathbed with smallpox, he never went and visited her. Oh my gosh. How fucked up. Maria did. She was always really nice to her daughters-in-law. She was way nicer to her daughter-in-laws than she was. Her actual her, daughters. Yeah. Um, But she did go visit this daughter-in-law against all the doctor's orders, obviously. She ended up giving her daughter-in-law a big ol' hug. Oh gosh, Social, no. social distancing, Maria! What are you doing? Yeah, not a good idea. No. So 
this daughter-in-law, she dies. And Maria was very upset because it's just like, it's just spreading like crazy. She takes her daughter, Maria Josepha, and is like, we're going to go pray for her soul. And the daughter-in-law's body was laying in state on display in the crypt, uncovered and everything. So they're like, we're going to go pray next to her body. Either way, morbid, but okay. They went and prayed next to the (laughs) body. Two days later, both Josepha and Maria Teresa start showing signs of smallpox. Uh. Maria Teresa survives, but her daughter, who was only 16, died. Uh. Now, smallpox takes about two weeks from exposure for you to really start seeing bad symptoms. They started seeing symptoms a couple of days later. So they were... were they were exposed. They, they were already were exposed. exposed. They already hadn't at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Maria Teresa blamed herself for her daughter's death for the rest of her life. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. That aside, Maria Teresa is fucking sick. Smallpox is no fucking joke. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking this is the end of her life. Everyone is thinking this is the end of her life. And there is a rumor that like while she was thinking she's on her deathbed that she told Joseph like if I recover from this I'm gonna abdicate like I, I I'm I'm fucking tired I just want to <sighs> go chill you know um yeah yeah and despite their differences Joseph never left Maria's bedside for like two weeks he hardly slept he hardly ate his only focus was making sure that his mother got the best treatment. I have mixed em- emotions about Joseph. He might be an interesting one for Patreon at some point. I don't think he was just there caring for his mother hand and foot because he wanted her to abdicate. I, I think they had a complicated relationship. Yeah. Um, but he didn't want her to die. Like, he cared about her, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of seems... Like, it kind of seems like it did um, repair, kind of put a Band-Aid on their relationship for a little bit. Like, they're working as a unit. Because government didn't stop just because she was sick, you know? So if letters are coming in, he's reading them off to her. And she's being like, well, I don't know. What do you think we should respond? Like, for the first time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so they're kind of working in tandem, working together for the first time because she really needs him. And yeah. he's clearly scared of losing her. And so they're realizing how they can work together as a unit instead of like opposing forces. Yeah. And slowly Maria starts to improve until she's completely recovered, which is amazing to survive smallpox. Back OMG, in the day. yay. I have yeah. to imagine that. Because there's a lot of people in history, like one of her other daughters that suffered a really bad um, bout of smallpox that then like didn't marry the King of France because she was now ugly. I have Mm. to imagine that like if you're already kind of like not in a great place mentally surviving smallpox and then having your face just look like that, probably with another hit to confidence. And they didn't conceal her. I'm back to the part... (laughs) I'm back to the part where I'm just screaming about things I like. Makeup! Concealer, beauty masks, repair creams. <laughs> CC cream! It's CC cream! <laughs> anyway. So she's miraculously survived. So did she abdicate or at least recognize that Joseph had proved himself a capable leader during her illness? <laughs> no. absolutely not she she said that she believed her recovery was god's way of telling her like it was all a test from god and he was telling her that she needed to remain in power for the rest of her life to which joseph was like um deferk yeah this this mother-son relationship that had been on the mend has now been shattered into a million pieces all over Mm -mm. again Mm You know what? I don't think he even, I feel like, yeah, he was hoping she would abdicate. One, probably for her own health. Like, she's not a healthy woman at this point and it's stressing her out. And two, like, because he's a grown man and he's ready to have a real job. But, like, also, if she wasn't going to abdicate, I think he at least expected to get 
more respect and he yeah. wasn't getting no respect, you know? Like <laughs> Maria never like a hundred percent recovered from her battle with smallpox. Yes, she recovered in the sense that she wasn't sick anymore, but it had a lasting effect on her health. Like you've been on death's door, you've now have permanent disfiguration, no concealer, no repair creams. Your Nothing. your health physically and mentally is in the toilet. Yes. So she's also living with the guilt that she thinks she killed her daughter, Josepha. So yeah, I'm not surprised if she's wrestling with some inner demons here. And from here, she gets more recluse and more paranoid, which um, makes me think of like Caligula or something like not a good sign. Not a good sign. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Not at all. However, out of all of it, there is one bright spot. She became hugely invested in research behind inoculation for smallpox because she was affected by it. Um, She had it tested on orphans, which I don't love that much. But after the testing, they concluded that the inoculations were a success. So I really hope that means that all the orphans survived. Yeah. In 1768, she had herself and a few of her kids inoculated. Which, do you remember in the Catherine the Great episode, yeah. she did the mm-hmm. same thing. She got inoculated. To sh- and Abigail Adams, and if you don't know, in the U.S., that was the second president's, the, fir- the second first lady. She did the same thing. Got herself and her kids inoculated against smallpox. So the ladies are yeah. leading the charge. I mean, yes. to this day, to this day, like, we still have presidents show themselves getting vaccines like that is a vote of confidence towards oh look they're getting a covid vaccine that means it's safe like i mean getting a vaccine now obviously it's still great that our leaders do it to show like the everyday people that might be on the fence about it etc etc but back then inoculation was a brand new yeah it's a brand new science yeah and it's way more dangerous way more dangerous than it is and so it was (laughs) such a gamble for her to even take the the inoculation after all those orphans did obviously (laughs) (laughs) so she even held a contest of sorts um so uh, speaking of children uh the the first 65 children to get inoculated would be invited to the palace for dinner um she would kind of fun yeah she would personally invite and wait on these 65 kids and serve them dinner uh that's come on that's that's cool that's that's kind of fun because then those kids have a cool story for the rest of their lives you know and the uh the end of maria's life was a struggle for her you know i feel like there Mm -hmm. needs to be some kind of pivot there so so that's kind of cool okay so now let's bring the energy down a little bit because (laughs) uh, i mean maria we know she's got all these struggles both mental and physically going on and the end of her life was kind of just that, a struggle. She ended up giving the reins of the military totally over to Joseph. And he, and then she like immediately regretted it, but it was kind of too late. Because he got them into wars that lost them money. And like we said earlier, Maria really wanted her legacy to be one of peace. And it's just not, you know? Yeah. And she's growing less and less cognizant, so... She was still being consulted because, honestly, people were downright afraid to do anything without her. Uh, But she just didn't have the pragmatic mind for politics that she did in, like, the first three decades of her reign. Yeah. Remember, she started in uh, 1740s. This is when she got smallpox. It was 1776. So she's been, she's no spring chicken anymore is what we're getting at. Um. She used to be charismatic. She used to be likable. And while she's still likable in the right setting, the the riz is gone. The charisma has left the building. Uh, She was not pretending she wanted to be there anymore. She was, (laughs) you know, she was making it very well known when she was done with a... She was over it. She was was over over it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I personally think that she would have lived a longer and happier life if she had abdicated after her smallpox. But who am I? Who am I? Who am I to argue with God? With God. God told her. 
So in November 1780, Maria contracted pneumonia and things did not look good. When told of the severity of his mom's condition, Joseph kind of just laughed it off. He was like, nope, this old woman, she's tough. A little cold will never get her down. And boy, was he wrong. Her health took a rapid nosedive. Yeah. So Maria Theresa, Holy Roman Empress, Queen of Bohemia, Queen of Hungary, and Croatia, Archduchess of Austria, and Grand Duchess of Tuscany, died at the age of 63 in her palace, completely surrounded by her children and her grandchildren. And she was buried in a tomb next to her beloved husband, where her remains are still to this day. And I will post it on Instagram, Nathan. I'd love for you to click on that link so you can see the picture of her tomb. Oh, it is is extra, extra. Yes, it is. I would love to see that in person because I bet it's even, I bet the details are even so much more shocking. It's just her and her husband laying in bed or something on top of the tomb and then we got a little how cherub. fitting how fitting they're laying in yes. bed together <laughs> that's but then all at they the bo- did <laughs> then at the bottom though you see like the cannons and the cannonballs like oh, wow yeah i didn't see that detail oh that's really, crazy it's really interesting um because you know there were so many revolutions and stuff at this after she passed away that a lot of, like, especially, like, in France and stuff like that, a lot of the old relics from her time don't exist anymore because the revolution, they knocked it all down. So I thought that was kind of cool that that's still there. Yeah, anyway. that's awesome. Anyway, yeah. guys, let's talk about legacy and woo, woo girl, legacy. Complicated. Complicated yeah. is an understatement. We've yeah. covered it all here. She goes from lovable to villain in like this blink of an eye. But she also kind of set the precedent that women could be powerful and effective rulers in a time when that was not something a lot of people wanted to believe in. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to movements in the right direction and education, health, welfare, she pushed Austria and the surrounding areas, you know, the Roman Empire in that direction. And because of her, you know how at the beginning, the whole thing was like, there's never not, there hasn't been anybody except for Habsburg line as Holy Roman Emperor for like, since the 1400s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because of her, the whether this is good or bad i'll leave it up to your discretion um the habsburg line stayed on the throne in one way or the other until the first world war oh wow so she at least did what what her ancestors wanted her to you know a little less inbreeding though maybe maybe not as much as it used to be yes absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that is maria Teresa. any final thoughts nathan I powerful woman, lover or hater, she's got a lot of stuff on her that you can honestly go down so many rabbit holes so and get lost. <laughs> we had just, yeah, we had to leave a lot of things in her life out just to keep it. We had to hit the high points, you know. But yeah, um, this is a lot. We've got links in the show notes, so definitely if y'all want to learn more about her, get a shovel, go down the rabbit hole. But yeah. So that was the life of Maria Teresa, and we will catch y'all next time. Cheers, bitches. Cheers. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.